I have a last-minute packing thing. I'm leaving for Hawaii in three hours and still haven't opened my suitcase. I never have time to pack and download shows before leaving for the airport. But I just got super-fast fiber internet for my house and all those problems have vanished. I mean, I still wait until it's three hours before my flight to pack, but now I'm able to download my favorite shows in seconds while I run out the door. Super-fast fiber internet. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Actual customer speeds may vary and are not guaranteed. Go to att.com slash fiber to see if you qualify. sure hello everyone and welcome to damn you hollywood i'm robert winfrey i am back from vacation last week when you got to hear mark have a mild psychotic break (laughs) mark how are your how are your imaginary friends oh my friends look out for me like family i'll tell you what uh anyway yeah i'm back this week tonight we are reviewing pacific rim uprising the sequel to the movie from a few years ago pacific rim which was, at the time, the best Transformers movie, uh, pretty much unequivocally. Uh, and then, of course, we'll go through our regular shtick, but that's the bread and butter of what's on the show tonight, so let me introduce Mark again, because he's here and he's on pills now, so you won't have to listen <laughs> to him hosting uh, imaginary conversations. So. I kid, I kid. For those of you who don't know, last week there were some technical difficulties that resulted in you only hearing Mark's third of the podcast when he I'm an idiot is what happened I did not have you would think that was the first time I used the thing it wasn't and yet I still screwed it up hey that exact same thing happened to me the first time I tried to do the MMA show with Jeff Harris it sounded like I was talking to myself (laughs) Uh, so uh, you have nothing but my sympathy and I'm glad the antipsychotic medication is kicking in (laughs) so how you doing apart from you know the recent expenditure in your 48-hour uh, hold at a local facility. 
I'm <laughs> terrific. Let's, I'm not letting this die. Let's let's continue to make Baker Act jokes at my expense in a field that I actually work in. Um, that is the plan. <laughs> God damn you, damn, damn you, Winfrey. That should be the name of the show. <laughs> um, no, I'm doing good. I uh, went for my walk tonight. I I really enjoyed Pacific Rim. I'm gonna probably gonna take the kids to go see Ready Player One and hopefully not have a mild stroke having to deal with them at the movie theaters. That isn't a cartoon. You'll be happy to know. You'll be happy to know Robert Winfrey. And I and I don't want to do 20 minutes of opening shtick because we've been told we're a little long with the tooth. But I have we to are. tell you, before we get started with our Pacific Rim review, I did not, did not go see Sherlock Gnomes this past weekend. I'm so proud of you. You've made the world a better place. Yep. I, I wanted to bring my kids. My kids had said they wanted to see it, but uh, Sunday came and went, and nobody got off their ass to go to the theater, and I wasn't pushing it because I could hear you in my ear going, "What? if you're the only one pushing to go see this movie, you're wrong. So I didn't. And instead, I sat on the couch and I rewatched Thor Ragnarok. That movie gets better well, and better. That's, with each- al- that's <laughs> almost as bad. That movie gets better and better with each viewing. But speaking that of is absolutely untrue. <laughs> but, spe- but speaking of better, and be- the, no, no, you are literally the only person I have heard say that. Everyone else I know that has seen it has said on repeat viewings it gets worse. It does not hold up. Oh no, it's it's I. You know what? It's made me decide to go out and watch Flash Gordon, and I think we might be getting together a uh, a commentary for the Flash Gordon movie from the from the early '80s. So that <laughs> check I that would out not when it be drops. A part of that. Of course you won't. You're you're no you're Mr. No Fun Time. But here is Mr. Fun Time himself, a man from Canada, da 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 da, a friend of the show, Mr. David Wright. How do you do, sir? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely, we had you on our last Jedi show. You were a fun guest with some uh, really interesting insights. So oh, I I have to ask, uh, you you requested this time, sir. What gives? What what deci- what made you decide of all the shows that we've done that this is the one where you had a burning desire? Well, what can I say? I love giant robots. <laughs> all right, fair enough. I mean, my my particular love of giant robots was I thought irreparably damaged by a certain franchise and a certain producer uh, director slash producer whose last name is synonymous with the geographic. Uh, sure. Oh my god, it's Jeez. Michael Bay What's wrong with you? Just say Michael Bay No, I, I will not speak his name If you say it like four times he just, He's inspired to create another film if you, say it, it. if you say it five times A hot woman cut, walks, through your, uh, walks through your living room And shakes her booty at you Then promptly that is, disappears That is absolutely not true it's, a, it's absolutely true Michael Bay, Michael Bay, Michael Bay Michael Bay, Michael Bay Look, there she is, and there she went You can't disprove you can't disprove a hot woman wa- didn't walk through my living room just now. I'm pretty sure your wife is home. I could ask her. I wouldn't if I were you. Let's get on with it. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> don't don't make claims like that. I can, There are ways to actively disprove what you just threw out there. Um, you, all right. Yeah, to be honest, I blame the writers more for that uh, franchise than than the director. That's fair. Like Michael Bay with a half decent script is capable of delivering mindless entertainment. Like like when he's when when Michael Bay is is doing a Michael Bay movie, he's good. Like he has his own little box. He's great in that box. Once you take him out of that box, disaster happens. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it's very fair. There's a couple of his movies I genuinely enjoy. Uh, Armageddon. Which is weird to say, 
Uh, Armageddon and The Rock specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah those, those those are both good ones. Even Pain and Gain was some and somewhat of a contribution to cinema as an article. I liked Pain and Gain. I mean, I thought it was fine. I think I think um, it gets look, a little silly towards you the end. You want to know how much I look? The combination of Bay and Wahlberg was enough to make that the only movie starring The Rock that I haven't seen. <laughs> That's how much I hate those two. You you are I, very much racist. Rock. You are very much racist against Mark Wahlberg unnecessarily. Mark so. Wahlberg is not a race. Sure he is. But you got to admit, it would be interesting if he was. No, it really <laughs> wouldn't. We've been invaded by a race of Wahlbergs. Run, everyone, run! None, none of that. Why would you even <laughs> remotely say that? Like, now, now M Night Shyamalan's going to make a movie. Can we get more walk, more walk, Mark Wahlberg in more movies, please? No, God, why? In twenty, like, in, in how many million people live in Boston? In Pick one of them. In two thousand twenty-one, I want at least one movie a week starring Mark Wahlberg so, for us to review. Yeah, I will absolutely not do that. <laughs> All right, move this along, sir. All right. Uh, moving into the actual movie review, I believe we hit our time quota there, so yay us. Uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Uh, this is normally where I would ask Mark about his expectations, why he added this to the... Not why he added this, I know why. Again, we're dealing with a sequel to a moderately successful blockbuster-style movie about robots punching monsters. Like, this is right up your alley, Mark, right? Yeah, they I mean, wrote this. This, this they this wrote this for movie you. for this me. Is, this is it. Yeah, the, the <laughs> this Hollywood is your Hamlet. Me, I was going to say Pacific Rim is a love letter to Mark Radlich from Hollywood. I'd like one of those, but no one would make it because it wouldn't. I'll be fair; it wouldn't make money. I mean, but I I'm sure that. That somewhere out there is two gay cowboys eating pudding that you can watch. I'm sure someone has made that movie. I genuinely didn't actually care for Brokeback Mountain. Like, there's good parts about it, but I didn't... Nah, not, not really my thing. Did they eat pudding? I, I was surprised... What? Did they eat pudding? I don't know. I assume so. I don't <laughs> remember that. I saw the movie twice. Like, when it came out, like, around the time it, of award season, because I wanted to be somewhat educated on the films that year. This well, is congratulations. Most... This is the first time I've heard anyone talk about Brokeback Mountain in, like, ten years. <laughs> You're welcome. Kind of says it all, doesn't it? It it completely derailed Jake Gyllenhaal for a period of at least 18 months. You know what I love about this bit? I reference South Park. You no-sell it and continue to do a half-review of Brokeback Mountain. This is why people listen to the show. (laughs) Uh, It's better because I actually did understand your reference this time. God knows I've said it enough. Okay, I was going to say, God knows I've said it enough times. All right. So, again, uh, we will not be doing a big thing about why this is on the schedule or why Mark hates me. We all know why Mark hates me. He's racist. <laughs> racist against Winfrey's. Yes. Because now apparently your last name makes you a race. <laughs> Moving on. Let's let, let, let's keep it going, baby. Uh, so instead, we will be jumping into the plot synopsis for Pacific Rim Uprising because we always do this. Uh, this is your spoiler warning. If you have not seen the film... I'm about to recount what happened so that everything we say when we actually talk about it has context. Oh, real quick. Remember everything I told you about we have to clean up the show because I'm going to post this on the movie uh, pass uh, board? Yeah. Yeah, ignore that. I do recall that. I'm not doing it, so don't worry about it. 
I mean, you it's, didn't have the self control to clean up your language enough. No, my wife said stop being a sellout, uh, asshole, and you know do the show that you want to do. Those show, the show that David Wright fell in love with, right, David? Oh dear God! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. I, I hate the don't be a sellout philosophy. It's just, it's so morally bankrupt. Would you like my wife to come in and explain herself, or should we move this on? I am I look, your wife and I think alike at on various points I can imagine her perspective on this and just I again I don't find it all that valid personally but it's your show it is your network and if this is the way you want to do it you have my support I'm still waiting for pride to be accepted by my landlord as rent <laughs> <laughs> That would be nice It would be All right Pacific Rim Uprising is set 10 years after the finale of the original film. We follow uh, John Boyega, because he's a thing now. Uh, He plays the son of Idris Elba from the first movie, and we meet him as he is living it up in a trashed part of the world, because... They're still recovering, and certain parts of the world are still recovering from the constant barrage of giant extra-dimensional monsters. And he's living off the scraps of that at the moment. He's squatting, he's hustling, he's stealing and selling, and, you know, he's really doing his old dad Stringer Bell proud. Uh, He's really, really living that up. Uh, He gets arrested after he tries to steal from a small child who has built a one-person, about a, what, one-fifth scale Jaeger? It's a small that Jaeger. That sounds about right, yeah. It's a small Jaeger that one person can pilot. The It's small enough that a single pilot can handle the neural load necessary to maneuver it. Uh, they are, they're both arrested, but because he is the son of again, Marshall Pentecost and the adopted, his adopted sister, um, Mako, also from the first movie, is uh, still alive, and she is now... What is her position exactly? The Pan-Pacific Defense Corps General Secretary. I was going to go with Nagging Sister. No, she actually has a position of authority beyond the familial relationship. She wasn't that nagging. I know. She seemed a little naggy to me. A little naggy. Well, you have to see that everywhere because you don't see it in your wife. (laughs) What the I'm hell, not going dude? near that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one week on vacation and suddenly you grow a set. C- continue with your uh, <laughs> with your synopsis, sir. Uh, to avoid going to prison because he's too pretty to go to prison, th- I, I think that's actually part of his logic. Like he, he spends an inordinate amount of time obsessed with male attractiveness. Not just his own. Like he talks about. How well, he does say Scotty's that split. he does say that a number of times that he he's a good looking fella. But I'll tell you his logic in the sense, you know, as far as trying to avoid jail, that's just common. If you work no, with no, a, if you I'm work not, with enough people again, like, who have, I'm not actually I don't yeah, have a problem with that at all. Yeah, so if you work with enough people who are incarcerated, his whole his whole thing about like yeah, what do I got to do? What what's the easy way? What what whatever I got to do? You know, and in him trying to bargain his way out of you know being punished, that's about right. No, no, yeah, that's completely fair. Again, like, but he just talks about himself as this deeply attractive person, and he actually says that about again his co-pilot Scott Eastwood. 
uh, quite a few times too, at least once. I'm like, your obsession with male attractiveness is a little weird. But anyway, to get out of prison, he re-enlists in the Ranger Corps, and his little buddy, whose name I can't remember, Namari. Short fry. Go with Namari. <laughs> Short round. Starbuck. I don't know. Jaeger girl. <laughs> Jaeger bomb. I'm going with Namari. Um, Am- who came up with it? It's Amara Namari. Who? Namani. Excuse me. Who thought that was an? A- Never mind. All right. So I her- there was like so- a website that listed all the names of the actors with the characters. That would be really yes. handy right now. Okay. I, so I found it. I so did find it. Anyway, John Bayogu's be- Jake Pentecost and his partner Johnny Mnemonic go. Didn't want to go with Johnny Dangerously, huh? All right. Uh, she is accepted into the program, into the cadet program, because she demonstrated some aptitude piloting her, again, smaller Jaeger. There's friction because she is blindly accepted in, and some of the other cadets are uh, under. I hate to say understandably bitter about this, but I say understandably in the sense that this is a rational human reaction to this to the circumstance. And there's friction between Boyega and Scott Eastwood. Because apparently Boyega kind of, uh, Pentecost, kind of bailed on his co-pilot and some elements of the program and being in the core. And he's he's a little, he's still a little burned by that. So there's, again, friction, but they, they kind of work through it throughout the course of the movie. If you have seen a movie, you have seen this movie. <laughs> that, that aspect of it, yes. Uh, the, the early centralized point of conflict uh, surrounds Charlie Day, who I hate. Um, he okay. works for... Let me, let me stop you right there. You've now used up your three editorial comments. You're done. Get to All right. st- Stick with the plot. All right. Again, Charlie Day, who, again, I hate. <laughs> and he works for... I was reiterating, not adding who works for the Shao Corporation, uh, which is trying to develop a drone-based Jaeger system so that you can have a single person pilot them so that they can be deployed faster, so that they can be... so that the pilots don't have to be in the physical thing and thus risk their lives. We can do this safely from a centralized location. Drones are the future, ladies and gentlemen. That's the pitch. There's some resistance to this because no one's entire like if you're not part of that corporation apparently they weren't completely sold on the tech they were worried about things being hacked just and the deciding vote for whether or not this goes into full scale production and adoption by the military organization whose initialization I will not be referring to every time and so again, there's a little bit of friction. Like, okay, are we out of a job? You know, what's going to happen going forward? There's some training, mon- not montage, but there's segments of training. Then at the big meeting, when the vote about this particular incident, about this proposal, is supposed to happen, the meeting is attacked by a giant by a Jaeger, uh, Boyega and Scott Eastwood their names Pentecost and Lambert I'm going to try to do that they try to fight it off they largely do but during the course of the battle uh, Mako is killed and he uh, this Jaeger escapes back into the depths of the ocean around Sydney Uh, 
due to this, there uh, the Security Council winds up approving the production and distribution of drones because had they had that technology, they would have been able to respond faster to the emergency situations that emerged. Uh, Pentecost and Lambert are kind of... Uh, they wind up trying to find out more about what happened with this rogue Jaeger because there's never been one that's actually that big and that effective. Mako wound up sending a bit of a message about the power source that it used having a familiar signature. They're able to track that to a decommissioned... Uh, military base in Siberia where they go to investigate, they encounter the other they encounter said Jaeger again, they defeat it this time, and find out that rather than being, that it's not piloted by an individual or two individuals or even, you know, the the old drone uh, hardware that's supposed to be in there it's instead piloted by a somewhat modified uh, kaiju brain it's not a good thing so they begin investigating this uh, there's a mild subplot between the two Brainiacs, um, Newt and Gottlieb. Uh, Geisler and Gottlieb, yeah, Newt's just his nickname. Again, they were they were the geniuses from the first movie. Uh, Newt now works again. Newt works for Shao and is uh, getting high by continually drifting with a bit of kaiju brain that's still hanging around. As they start deploying all of the uh, drones, there is a subroutine activated that was embedded within it that activates some kaiju biological material that had been melded with the technology because Akira. <laughs> Old reference. Yay, me. I got it. We are old. Yay, us. Um, <laughs> they turn into, again, like, like, like a kaiju Jaeger hybrids. Uh, they wreak all kinds of havoc. They attack a bunch of the outposts for the various Jaeger installations, and a bunch of them just kind of fly to places around the Pacific Rim to open up localized breaches and let through kaijus to resume their assault on the Earth. This is This is eventually shut down, but a lot of pilots are killed, a lot of Jaegers are damaged, and three kaiju do actually make it through. And they start trying to converge on Mount Fuji. Because giant things trashing Tokyo. I mean, really, like, that. that's all I got there. Uh, because you're not, you're not going to give any credence to the scientific explanation of what was in the, uh, in the volcano? I will deal with that in a minute. Okay. Uh, okay. For the sake of the plot, kaiju blood reacts in a very volatile fashion with uh, various rare earth elements that are listed that I won't go into. And... They kind of deduce that the plot of the kaijus and the a, the uh, extra-dimensional aliens sending them through is not to have the kaijus actually run rampant over the planet and uh, kill us off that way. It's actually to get some of them to a active volcano that is connected along the again to the Pacific Rim, because with a large enough deposit of kaiju blood into this. Uh, mixture of both heat and rare earth elements, it will create a large enough explosion to trigger the totality of the rim and all the volcanoes associated with it. To erupt, this cataclysmic eruption would would blot out the sun, poisonous gas, humanity dies within the next 20 years. Dogs sleeping and, with cats, mass hysteria. Very and, good. <laughs> and uh, the planet is then ripe for colonization by the, what are they called, the precursors? I believe so. Yeah. 
And so again, with now with a shortage of pilots, we promote all the cadets because it's what you do. I only mean that half sarcastically. Like, no, if you're in this position, yeah, anyone who's got any sort of experience, yeah, you you take everything you can get. They, uh, the three remaining Jaegers, uh, charge. We get four or four of them. We get a battle with the three individual kaiju's. Uh, we lose one of the pilots and one of the Jaegers, and th- at this point, Charlie Day reemerges and activates uh, some. Jeez, what were they? Some automated, uh, again, uh, like another bunch of like smaller drones. Call them rippers. Yeah. And these little, I hate to call them nanobots because, again, they're macrobots, but relative to the kaiju nanobots, these little things then converge on the three kaijus, tear them partially apart, and then reassemble them into a single giant monstrosity, which is actually really cool. Kaiju Voltron. Something like that. Uh, the Jaegers are then badly battered and beaten by this because it is now Mega Kaiju. Uh, but, of course, the heroes have to win, so we get our final heroic moment when uh, the... Uh, let me see. It's uh, Pentecost, and actually it winds up being Namani, who takes over after uh, Lambert gets injured. They pilot Gypsy Danger up into the upper atmosphere and then drop it on the thing. <laughs> Which, again, solid plan, <laughs> all things considered. <laughs> uh, they barely escape. Charlie Day is apprehended. And the, uh, everyone celebrates. And the movie ends with the vaguely ominous notion that humanity is going to go on the offensive. Because that ending worked out so well for Independence Day Resurgence. <laughs> all right, did I miss anything? Did I give anything unfair shrift as far as the plot goes? And where do you want to start unpacking this, Mark? Well, uh, let's go ahead and defer to our friend David here. David, um, why don't you go ahead and give us your 50 words or less on what you liked about the movie, um, or if you have any other insights or burning desires that you want to bring up, now would be the time. I'd say it was big, stupid, silly, dumb, and ridiculous, and I loved it. Okay. Um, I'm going to echo a lot of those same sentiments, actually. I went into Pacific Rim Uprising wanting to see a fairly coherent movie where giant robots punch monsters. Uh, What I got for most of it was giant robots punching another giant robot, but that's okay. I'm okay with that as well. That works, too. um, With a little bit that I did see, I think Pacific Rim's major accomplishment, uh, and this is where... I don't remember if we've only said this off air or not, but I know Rob. I know off air we definitely said that Pacific Rim is a better Transformers movie than the trans than the last couple of Transformers movie in the sense that one, you don't have an overly complicated plot weighing down the the action, but also the action itself is coherent. I mean, no one's going into see. You a trans- also have a running time that's tolerable rather than. 20 minutes of Mark Wahlberg staring into the sunset and Stanley Tucci not knowing how to get rid of a bomb. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. Um, in any case... I but, hated it. But Absolutely Robert's point it. is well taken that this is... If I was going to rename this movie, I would call it the success of editing. One's self, the <laughs> film itself, the film, everything about it. 
I mean, this is just the right amount of everything to get you from soup to nuts and have yourself an enjoyable time. Uh, Paramount, take notice. Whoever directed this, get him to direct your next Transformers movie because he seems to know what he's doing. That being said, I don't have a lot of critical complaints about the movie because, like I said, um, you know, it's a small cast. Everyone kind of serves a purpose, you know, the... The the uh, the bully girl Russian you know the nice the, you know the nice kid it's like and then you know a couple of add-ons to, to make funny lines and be cannon fodder um, you have John Boyega who's your star who you know who has his arc it's about as basic an arc as one could have but it's still an arc you know um, an arc's an arc it's a better an arc. arc than Mark Wahlberg in any of his Transformers appearances you know? and certainly better than all of Shia LaBeouf. In yeah. all of the other Transformers movies, you know, you have a guy who, uh, you know, is living in his father's shadow and is trying to make his own way, and finally finds that way through, you know, through becoming a hero. Blah blah yakety schmackety. You know, the, the, the his partner Johnny Mnemonic has an arc uh, herself. You know, she finds uh, her purpose and everything else. I enjoyed how things were set up at the beginning and then paid off at the end, like the little scrapper bot. Um, you know, makes itself useful, and I thought actually the scenes with the scrapper bot were actually pretty fun to watch. They didn't seem clunky at all. Uh, this is a movie heavily dependent on CGI. It more so than John Boyega is the star of the movie, and if it doesn't work, the movie doesn't work, and uh, it it works just fine. I I don't think I was ever taken out of the movie because of the CGI. I like the fact that they humanize the villain. You know, instead of it being kind of an Independence Day, mindless, hive, uh, bug alien villain type, they they took that, because that, I think that's what that alien race is, but they personalized it and making, um, and making Charlie Day essentially being possessed by these things. And so, whether or not you like Charlie Day, you know, that, that's a personal I thing. I, we, we heard you. That's a personal thing. I like the fact that at least the villain had a face and a personality, and it was fun. To, and, and while not the strongest villain we've ever seen in the history of cinema, a fun mustache twirly, ah ha ha ha, I'm going to take over the world type Skeletor villain. We don't get to see a lot of that where it works. I thought it worked well. I thought it worked well here because, again, you're not writing Shakespeare. This isn't the lobster. This is supposed to get people in the theater to get up and cheer and have a good time and throw popcorn in the air. And to see Charlie Day get punched out at the end, I'm pretty sure had that effect on people. Um, that it felt like an older movie to me. Yeah. It, like, it, it, like, uh, like I kind of say this about uh, Fury Road, where it's like, you know, if this movie had come out 10, 20 years before it came out, it would have been just a fine movie for its time. But just because the art of filmmaking at that level has just gone downhill so much, like, oh, wow, this film has story and characters. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Like, an action, uh, yeah. An action like, film with characters. Wow. Yeah, this is, yeah. The, this is the special needs character kicking the ball or, you know, the, uh, the bidden family guy where uh, Stewie's at the, the old Jewish school and he's the only one that actually kicks the soccer ball and gets a trophy. You know, that's that's kind of where yeah. we are film wise. Yeah, it's not that we we've got fifty different conspiracy theory plots going on, and we have no idea what the heck we're doing. So we're just going to keep piling more and more on, and hope nobody notices that we actually haven't done anything in the film. Right. I mean, that's what I mean by like this is this is the triumph of editing, because at no point was you know was I watching this going, 
you know, oh, so the FBI knew the CIA was setting up the DEA. There was none of that. It was just as straightforward as could be. The what, no NSA. The right. The the uh, the the villain was working on a long term plan to have drones piloted by kaiju's. And the you know and the the goal here was to re- reset the Earth ready for takeover by the aliens. Perfect. I didn't need any more than that. Yeah, it built off of the last movie well enough. Right. And uh, like until like John Boyega went in and did the whole you know next time we're coming for you. It didn't feel like a modern movie. Like there was no cinematic universe or series being set up. It was just like hey that last one was fun. Let's make another one. Right. Um, and. And obviously they are setting it up for more movies. That's, you know, the whole we're, we're going after the aliens. But, yeah. you know, that's assuming this one makes money. And so far it has. But we'll get to that shortly. It probably will. Yeah, it seems... It's, I'm, I'm okay with that. Hey, it's already knocked off Black Panther out of the top uh, top spot. So it's got that going for it. Certainly better than well, Tomb Raider. To be fair, it's also like six weeks into Black Panther's cinematic run. And the fact that it took this long in this movie to actually accomplish that is a massive indictment on everything else that came out between the two. I just don't understand why A Wrinkle in Time didn't work better. <clears throat> Anywho. Oh, shut up. You and I both know exactly <laughs> why. I'm being sarcastic. I Aren't I funny? Um, so that's it. I mean, I don't want to belabor the point. I'll, I'll kick it back to you guys. I don't have... I really don't have any complaints other than the characters maybe were a little stockish, a little underwritten, maybe a lot underwritten, Incredibly. depending on... I, I, I know I started stock, to say a lot underwritten because I knew you were going to say that. The, but I don't think in a movie like this you need a lot of strong characters. That's not what people... I think... Because here's the thing. I started to think about this before we, we went off on this other tangent. But if you look at some of the sci-fi fantasy movies that have come out over the last couple of months, maybe the last couple of years, there have been movies like The Last Jedi which subvert expectation and try to reinvent the wheel and really give you something different. And it runs afoul of at least half of a fan base that says, no, 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 no. I went into a donut store to buy a donut. I did not go into a, buy- to a donut store to buy sushi. And that's what you gave me. I'm not saying the sushi's bad. I'm saying I didn't come for this. And, and I get, just get the feeling that with Pacific Rim Uprising, it was just make a solid, functional, competent movie that makes the nerds happy. Don't try to do anything fancy. This isn't art. That's not what we're doing. And it, I think 100% succeeded in that. Now, to, again, to be fair, that means some of the craft elements aren't, up to the par of superior movie making, but again, uh, uh, you know, it's a donut. It's a donut. It's a donut. It's American. He's a donut. But it's a good donut. That's a trick. It's an awfully tasty donut. All right, Robert. Like an artisanal donut, not like a cheap, (laughs) mass-produced donut. Your thoughts on donuts, sir? I'm just kidding. Um, Go ahead, Robert. Now, Now tell us why David and I are completely wrong. Well, uh, I mean, you're wrong about so much, but not as it pertains to this. Um, (laughs) Fuck yourself, sir. (laughs) I mean, you decided to have two kids. I mean, really? Yes, and I love them both. I love them both equally. Uh, Two is the wrong number. It's one or three. Two is just unholy No, that's wrong, sir. That is mathematically wrong. You want two because then the ratios are one to one. 
No, no. You, you, you really don't want to. I'm not It's not about, about the this. ratio or about defending the metaphorical fortress that you and your wife now have to hold over these monsters as they slowly eat you out of house and home from the inside. But if they're f- trying to kill each other, that means you can slip away and get some sleep. I don't like where this conversation's headed. Review the movie, sir. That is true. Um, I only had a couple of, like, quasi-major complaints about this. One is an... Is it a Mr. I Wizard complaint? Say- no. Okay. A lot of your complaints so, are Mr. Wizardy. I just wanted to be sure what we were getting into. Eh. There's so much fictional science that goes into these movies that there's only so much, you know, reality of physics as we understand it that can really pertain to these. I mean, there's a bit of, okay, you clearly don't understand how, like, hacking and computers work, but it's not egregious. Uh, you know, dropping something from as high as they got it. I, I have a minor gripe about them saying that the only rocket fuel they have capable of lifting these things is this new uh, you know, hybrid of kaiju blood and, again, rare earth elements. And if they're rare earth elements, really, are we good? Is this a sustainable plan? Like, <laughs> if these are rare, just how many times are we going to be able to launch these things with them? I, I mean, t- are the Jaegers actually physically dense enough that they, uh, it is more difficult to lift them with, you know, liquid O2, which is generally what we use to launch space shuttles. Am I the only one having the urge to beat on him right now and stuff him in a locker? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's that bad, but uh, the answer to your question is giant robot. Again, like, I am prepared <laughs> to accept that these things just have enough enough mass to them that this is not a feasible that the you know, the materials we have and the fuels we have are not all that feasible it's also really easy to write a singular line of dialogue delivered by the nerd genius that says traditional rocket fuel isn't powerful enough to make this feasible we have to use this stuff that's really yeah, all you, you can need. get your, and then you get your exposition for why the monster is going to mount fuji at the end of the movie no I, again like that's he can still use again his point is that we need these to do this I would just like a I mean again a singular line of dialogue where he elaborates as to why we need this not what we already have because that's really all you need like everyone is going to accept what this guy says at face value be that in the universe or in the theater he's the scientist (laughs) yeah again so they will accept what he says so if he says we need you know Liquid O2 isn't efficient enough to move something as dense as the Jaegers. I'm okay with that. I really am, but it's left unaddressed. Like you said, that rockets aren't powerful enough to do that, so it was kind of already in there. Let let me add this to this commentary, this particular conversation. Since you brought up my need for science, Mark, I wasn't actually going to complain about that, but thank you. Well, okay, now that you've said that, let me me, uh, suppose propose this as a counter-argument. Boring! Anything else you don't like? Yes, we know. You would rather they didn't talk at all. You would rather the exposition be delivered via, via screen-crawling text at the beginning of the movie, and then there's a lot of... Stop pew, wasting... Pew, womp, womp, Stop wasting time. Get, get to the punching. Uh, my, again, my biggest gripe as I think about this movie, again, one of them is overall structural... Uh, just this, this, the very stock nature of the characters. By the way, I got I that Simpsons they... reference. I know. I, I know you did. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, just checking. 
Um, my again, my gripe about the characters being very stock is a general complaint. It is not a. I'm not leveling it at any one character, and given the totality of this film, they kind of know how they kind of work with it. It is still a general flaw of craft. Well, it's a shortcut for you to understand what the characters are. Yeah. And then this kind of movie, that's fine. Like, we don't... The, the characters are serviceable. They don't need to be super deep. I mean, it's nice to get deep characters, but you don't always need that. We're here to watch robots punch monsters. With a little I, bit... I, with a little smattering of, like, okay, people are doing stuff, too. Uh, I tend to prefer the ratio that the first film hit in yeah, terms yeah. of character development versus... Uh, giant robots. Here they kind of invert it. There is more giant robot than there is character. Both are acceptable. This That largely comes down to personal preference. My biggest gripe with the narrative arc is actually the uh, Siberian island that they go to. There's not really a coherent point of connectivity between that location and what follows it. Well, isn't well, that... Cannot... Well, no, I thought that that was a bit of... Uh, a, a bit of plot revealing where what the the major thing they're dealing with is the fact that these aren't drones intended to be piloted by humans. These are drones being controlled by kaiju. We've been had. There's an no, en- no, no. there's there's an that enemy is, within. That is absolutely necessary. Yeah, it's, Why it's more like like someone was able to build a state of the art full size Jaeger in secret. Not many people can do that. So, like when Mako was in the, the helicopter, she's like, "Oh, hey, that guy. You know, there's something strange about this guy." So, like maybe there was a deleted scene that explained this better. But it's like I think she was able to recognize she qualities about the, like, that. The energy signature or like, or the power, yeah, like something okay, like, that. like like something with this energy signature would have been built at this plant. So this is where you guys should start your investigation, and that's what they did. It, you know, yeah, just, okay. It, so it I never, see. It didn't I, feel fully realized to me from a narrative perspective. So I see is, what you guys are saying. What you're saying is that. there's a scene that's missing that goes into how they were able to build such a thing in secret and nobody notices. That's that's really what you're drawing a circle on, saying this key part of information, key part of the movie is missing and detracts from the movie. And I'm and I'm not trying to be snarky about it. I'm asking, oh, so is that what you're saying? You connect, but Go ahead, David. A lot of recognizes something about this thing. She's sending them a message. Yeah, like as long as they give you the pieces, you can put the puzzle together. It's not a it's not a difficult puzzle to put together. No, there's there's not a whole lot of again complexity here. There, again, there's just a little like, and again, it, you need the rematch between the two giant robots. I get that. You need them to win so that we can find out that no, they wait. There's kaiju physiology integrated with this Jaeger. This is a bad thing. Something's going of, on. Yeah, I get that. You need that. I question the plot device of go to this island, and how that connects to what follows after. Is my again. It's a maybe. It's a weird thing, and maybe there's something that I am not necessarily fully understanding about it. Here's I don't what I'll know. tell you. The, here's what I'll tell you. It, this was um, from a director's point of view. If you think about again, I'll bring up like Star Wars, but I mean, really any sci-fi fantasy movie. Think about here. Here's an even better one. How about the Avengers? All right, you don't want to see the Avengers fighting in the same locations throughout an entire two-hour movie. They have to keep changing locations and different things in order to keep the movie visually interesting. I think 
when your when your finale is the wanton destruction of an entire city by giant robots and monsters and monster robots. You need a scene where they're still fighting, but you're not wrecking an entire city. Because this, again, is the problem with Transformers. It becomes... It, 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 it honestly becomes destruction porn. It's scene after scene after scene of the same thing. How many times have we complained in the Transformers movies about you can't tell from one scene to the next where they're fighting and what they're fighting about? Now, that's partially because the movies are incompetently done, but it's also because the scenes are all kind of set the same way. Whereas this one, they give you this scene that's, that's a rich and interesting environment you know, in Antarctica, and then later on... You, you build up to this other finale where they wreck an entire city and at least there's differentiation that would be my explanation for why they did it that way it also yeah, looked, can, it looked pretty yeah you can focus I, on the two robots fighting it out and see what's going on without having like a whole city in the way also I if you're going to secretly that. build a, a Jaeger you're probably going to do it at a place that there aren't many people at and like if, again, if he like, was rebuilding it at like, at the, like the, the New York factory, people would kind of know, like, hey, what's this evil black-looking Jaeger doing here? You know, something's up. No, no, I, I understand why you would build something like this in that location. I understand why you would, from a you know construction standpoint, in terms of the film, want something that looks different. I get all that. It's again, this is purely narrative. There's an issue of writing that fails to connect the two point the two points around uh, the two parts of the movie around this particular point and it feels a bit disjointed to me be narratively simply because in large part because of that not exclusively because of that but in large part I'm really struggling to under like I'm trying to I'm trying to stretch and understand where you're coming from it sounds to me like you're saying like why an article why specifically like they didn't give a good enough reason why it had to be that place and not say the Mojave Desert is that where this no, is? Why? No, 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 no. Like, I don't care about the visuals. I don't care that it's in Siberia. That really doesn't matter. No, I got okay. that. What I was, what I was saying, or what I'm trying to extrapolate from what you're saying is, they, the, narratively, they didn't explain why it had to be there and not someplace else. Narratively, they didn't. Ex- they didn't explain narratively why any of that mattered. Like why they couldn't have just had him defeat the Jaeger in uh, Sydney and oh hey it's got Kaiju brain in it something like that yeah like okay that, that helps me get closer um, I guess they probably just wanted another action scene yeah they, uh, they wanted a rematch which I'm okay again I am okay with that if that's your decision then you have to write the sequence leading up to said rematch and actually connect it to the remainder of the movie in a way that flows better than this did. All right. How does the scene in Sydney end? Did the, 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 the robot just uh, say... It walks into the water. It just yeah, literally like the, just walks it, well, into the Well, the, the other Jaegers arrive, and then he kind of looks like, okay, four against one, not a fair fight. I'm out of here. Okay. And then they... And then I, I'm sorry, I'm just... I'm trying to remember the details of the movie. And then they figure out where it is later, and they say, "Let's go get it." Is that that's about no, no, what? No, let's, well, let's that's, go see what's not, there. They are, they're able to decipher elements of Mako's message, which pointed them to this particular factory. So they go to investigate and happen to run across it. Oh, I see. And okay, then, now I get your point. We move, and from there we just move to oh, kaiju's integrated with Jaegers. Okay, now I see yeah. what you're saying. It took yeah. me a minute to realize. I, what my that my was. one issue with that scene was when they looked at the factory. Like, yes, it's been abandoned. If they had say like, oh, wait a minute, this thing's been active, and then 
you know, the obsidian, whatever it's called, Jaeger shows up. Yeah, like, it, you know, like to and cover again, it, is, it can literally be that simple. We don't need 20 minutes tacked on a sink, you know, a small, like 30 second, 30, 40 second scene with three lines of dialogue could easily flesh out and smooth out all of my complaints about this. That's part of what bugs me about it so much. Like, you're building a relatively streamlined film, you're building a simple film, but you're doing it to the best of your ability, which is commendable. There's a couple of really simple fixes for a few of these problems that but, would not have appreciably detracted from your overall... Well, I would counter that with, is it really a problem? You know, as David said, if you know, if you buy the logic that the, that the kaiju figured it was going to get killed, so it took off, and... They were then investigating the little, you know, the clues that were left by Mako, and they happened to run across this, and they happened to run across this factory where this Jaeger is. Why is that not enough? Like, it, sure, it could be stronger. Hang on, hang on. Sure, it could be stronger. But if, it, but if there's just even that thin line, why is that thin line to get you from one place to the next not sufficient? I'm not saying. I mean, if your argument is be a better film, fine. But I don't see where the lack of the meat of what you're talking about necessarily detracts enough for me to say it's not a good film. I'm not saying it's not a. I'm not saying this is like the singular tipping point for me to where I hated the movie. Mm -hmm. But you asked me what my complaints were, sir. Mm -hmm. And this your complaint is, is that they could have been beefed up in my, areas. Like, well, this area specifically, because I it, it feel it almost feels like there's two different. I hate to say movies because that's really not accurate, but there's a very specific narrative flow prior to that scene, and then there's a very specific narrative that comes after that scene, and this is the this is the point that should facilitate that transition, and instead it feels like a stop. And then restart rather than a natural flow. I will, uh, I will go with you with the one thing I thought was a little bizarre and I had some difficulties with. There's an allusion to the idea that the Kaiju um, Jaeger hybrid showing up in Sydney was a false flag to get the Defense Corps to adopt the drone program. And it's never picked up on. It's mildly alluded to and then summarily dropped, and then it didn't matter because there was another villain at play here doing a thing. Well, it was, yeah, yeah, it was supposed I, to set up uh, the Chinese uh, businesswoman. What's her name? Really, with that, anyway. all we needed from that was a bit of Charlie Day mustache twirly where he says, This is why I sent that Jaeger to do that because she was the deciding vote and I needed these things distributed. I mean, you you have him. At but that's the thing that made it look like points. it made it look like his boss was the one that that the, the, like set that whole thing up, and then there's no yeah, payoff. I, I actually appreciate the misdirect. Yeah, yeah. You don't expect Newt because he's the funny guy from the last movie, whereas you get uh, the CEO and she's being this cold, hard, you know, money above everything. This has to succeed. Don't get in my way. Yeah, I'm. Character. I'm okay with that. What I'm saying is, what I felt like there was no payoff to was the allusion to that that it was a false flag situation it, you no, know they, again, they don't like, ever they don't all, ever deal I, with I it i agree 
what you needed was during one of again because the, the, there's two different points when you have Charlie Day dump exposition on the audience during one of those two exposition dumps he just needs to mention that he's the one who sent the Jaeger to kill Mako mm-hmm. because he needed the drones online to facilitate the kaiju reemergence. you just again that's all you needed was him yeah. expressing that it was him it was okay. me. It was me, James, the <laughs> author of all your pain. It was me, Herman, the author of all your pain. He's like, yes, I know you're an annoying ass. Yes, you've been the bane of you've been the bane of television since you since the start of you and everyone else associated with it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Okay, I, I, I see. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, but yeah, I think just to me and maybe to Mark as well, we kind of were able to put the pieces together without being told directly that. It, you know, it made sense that yeah, he knew no, no, he probably knew, made the thing, and oh no, I that was knew, his reason. I knew, knew well, like, like the moment I saw Mako in the helicopter going past, and it's like you know, oh, I'm I'm the only vote that can decide whether or not to do drones, and I don't want to do like, drones. Yeah, like, oh, she's gonna go. She's gonna get killed. Giant flashing neon sign <laughs> saying, "I'm about to die." Yeah, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but she was wearing an albatross underneath her uh, underneath her coat. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, and what a convenient, how convenient. This also gives uh, John Boyega motivation to actually care about the Jaeger program now. Right. Avenge his sister's death. Anyway. Winfrey, anything else? Anything else, sir? Um, uh, Again, like, I actually did like the misdirect, the kind of setup of the cold hard, the cold heartless capitalist, because that's how most of these movies are written. And then, no, it's actually Charlie Day, because he's awful. Uh, I, I I appreciate a good slight misdirect like that, especially in a formulaic movie. So I I kind of dug that. I dug most of the action sequences. There's nothing special to this movie, but it's um, what, what's the best way I can describe this? Well, giant robots is what's special about this movie. Now, uh, <laughs> twenty years ago, giant robots were special. Then Michael Bay ruined them. No, but these are like real giant robots. Uh, the best way I can, okay, I heard this about uh, the Mark Wahlberg, Charlize Theron remake of The Italian Job and I think it's probably accurate here in terms of how I feel about the movie in total it's a very paint by numbers movie but at least it used the right colors yeah, yeah, it's, that's valid I mean, this is what I want in my popcorn entertainment at no point in this movie did I feel like my intelligence was insulted yeah, there's nothing deep Boy, that or meaningful nice. in it, but, you know, it's just like... <laughs> I just say that. It was really nice to go to a large-budget blockbuster movie and not feel like everyone involved is insulting the audience constantly. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait till we get to the Rotten Tomato reviews. All right. With that said, are we ready to move this party along? Sure. All Bring right. Here come the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, Put your mittens around your kittens and away we go. Pacific Rim Uprising on a budget of $150 million as brought to you by the second best, second best movie studio in the world, Universal. Because nobody beats the mouse. Worldwide, we are sitting pretty at $152 million. And Pacific, Pacific Rim finally ended the five-week winning streak of Black Panther at the number one spot of the weekend box office. 
Uh, not that it's going to be a long victory. We've got Rampage and then the Avengers. So, yeah. Um, and somewhere in there, Ready Player One. So, anyway, uh, let's Isn't go. Is Ready ahead. Player One next week? Yes. It's this weekend. Yes, yeah, it's March this weekend 29th. coming up. Um, all right, so it's most likely... Ready Player One's most likely going to be number one next weekend, but I, I, let's let's stick with this past weekend. Pacific Rim, as I said, uh, number one. Uh, Black Panther went to number two. I can only imagine stayed its uh, second week at number three. Sherlock Gnomes, Robert Winfrey's favorite animated feature of this year, uh, debuted yeah, at number four. <laughs> Tomb Raider, which uh, was just announced on the blogs, is probably a dead franchise at this point. They're not doing another one with uh, Alicia Vikander, from what I can tell. Uh, that fell from two to five. Uh, Robert Winfrey's favorite Disney film, A Wrinkle in Time, fell from four to six. Further get <laughs> bent. <laughs> Love, Simon, fell from five to seven. Paul, Apostle of Christ, uh, debuted at number eight. Game Night fell from 6 to 9. Midnight Sun uh, debuted at 10. The horror movie, Unsane, in the membrane, uh, debuted at number 11. Peter Rabbit has fallen out of the top 10, finally. Um, It fell from 7 to 12. Red Sparrow, 9 to 13. Strangers, They Pray at Night, uh, fell from 8 to 14. The Wes Anderson animated-ish flick, Isle of Dogs, Debuted at number fifteen, Death Wish, uh, your your gun toting uncle's favorite movie of this year, fell from ten to sixteen. The Death of Stalin rose from nineteen to seventeen. Annihilation, a great science fiction flick starring lots of women that nobody saw, fell from eleven to eighteen. Jumanji well, sure, because we couldn't rally around it politically. <laughs> Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, is still making money, honey. Twelve to nineteen. And The Greatest Showman, because Oscars, uh, 14 to 20. And something called Hitchkey debuted at number 22. But most importantly, Fifty Shades Freed is still, still in the top 10, folks. I believe it's actually number 5. I'll tell you in a moment. Uh, and just because I enjoy saying it, Having Sex with Water has fallen from 16 to 25. Uh, let you know what that that uh, that gets a little bit of this. Come here, horsey. <laughs> I make myself laugh. Anywho, I'll say uh, we can't hear what the sound effect was. <laughs> it's it's the sound of a horse neighing and while uh, dying while it's neighing. See, because oh, okay. I because I beat a dead horse. Get it? Ah, uh, okay. I'm, you, I am with the joke now. Thank yeah, you. You need to listen to more Metal Hammer of Doom. Um, <laughs> that gets a lot of you play. You really don't. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> All right. World. Oh, crap. Uh, box Office Mojo. We're in the process of updating our sites. Son of a bitch. Um, they, have, they have no consideration for our podcast. No. What, they, why are they. I tell you, some people. Tuesday night. Why are they updating it now? Um, All right. Well, domestically, let's see if that works. Yay. Uh, domestically, Black Panther is still the number one movie in the world at 633 million domestic. Do you want worldwide returns? I was trying to get that, yeah. And I, will, I will find those. Hang on. While you do that, uh, Peter Rabbit's still the number two movie in the United States. Fifty Shades Freed's the number third. Uh, A Wrinkle in Oprah is number four. Insidious 5, Game Night 6, Maze Runner 7, 12 Strong 8, and Den of Thieves 9, Red Sparrow 10. All right, uh, here is your worldwide... Uh, gro- g- 
grosses so far. Black Panther number one, one point two four billion. Number two, Operation Red Sea. This is a Chinese film. Number three is Detective Chinatown two, also Chinese film. Number four is Fifty Shades Freed because we deserve every bad thing that happens to us. You people are terrible. <laughs> on that later. Number, fi- number five, Monster Hunt two. Yes, I believe this is another Japanese film or Japanese or Chinese double check. Yes, this is a Hong Kong adventure film. Uh, number six is Maze Runner The Death Cure, because young adult dystopian future franchises just don't die. Even though they should. Number seven is Tomb Raider. Number eight, Peter Rabbit. Number nine, Insidious The Last Key. And number ten, Pacific Rim Uprising. Alright. Um, I'm... It's currently sitting at 150. I figure Pacific Rim finally ends its run somewhere in the $500 million mark. It's got a lot of competition over the next couple of weeks. I mean, you know, moving Avengers from the first week of May to the last week of April doesn't help anybody at all, ever. <laughs> Other than the people who want to see the movie, which is me. I already got my ticket. But um, there's a lot of stiff competition over the next couple of weeks. You know, as we said, this Friday is Ready Player One. Um, there's nothing as far as competition April 6th, but if you're into seeing something that doesn't have a lot of pew, 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 boom, 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 there's Chappaquiddick. Uh, then Rampage starring... Oh, God. Then Rampage... Can I just say, I, I saw a trailer for that and just went, why? Uh, really? You're, you're, you're giving the movie about, uh, about what's-his-face Kennedy killing a woman and shit? After, you know, after you do nothing but complain about all the schlock we watch... Finally, I mentioned a movie that's, you know, historical drama, and you're like, no, fuck that movie. It's historical drama. It like, It's also either going to... It, maybe I should say that my gripe is with a lot of the like promotion around it. It's the untold true story. Like, no, we all know what happened. <laughs> There's no mystery here. Okay. So you're either deliberately lying to the to all of the potential audience members about, oh, it was nefarious. He killed her before he drove off the cliff. That uh, bridge. Or, and I tend to think it's, you'll lean this, you'll like actually try to imply that with, the totality of your film, which is as about as responsible as that Zodiac killer movie that ended with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal looking at the guy, going, "Yeah, I know it's you." And then the next title, the next like card that comes up before the credits is so and so was exonerated by DNA evidence. Like, piss off! All right, we finally solved the Zodiac. No, it was Ted Kennedy with it was malicious. No, guy's a drunk. So the what I should have said. Like, what I should have it's said that com- because it's made up. What I should have said that comes there out April sixth that actually has some fairly feel free to use that one. Def- decent I competition. Will. I'm just going to keep going. Is <laughs> Blockers yeah, yeah. starring John Cena, uh, which is apparently getting rave reviews. Uh, you know, for a, uh, a a raunchy comedy. Apparently, people. You know, the uh, the early word on Blockers starring WWE. Superstar John Cena. For those Cena. of you unaware, there's a big picture of a rooster right before Blockers. Because it's cock blockers, that's why. The, the whole name of the movie, though, was Blockers. Anyway, so, yeah, Ready Player One, then Blockers, then Rampage. Um, now, the the week of the 20th... Now, Mark, on a scale of one to the mm-hmm. average Rattelich, Yes. how excited are you for Rampage? 
Oh, uh, okay. One to ten? Ten. Absolutely. I can, this is, other than the Avengers, this is the movie I'm looking most forward to this year. Okay. Just wanted to be clear. That's, oh. If I had to guess, that's what it would have been. Um, all right. So the week of the 20th, there's not a whole lot of competition in as far as, you know, action adventure. But you you might shave off some of the audience to go see the funny on the one hand, you've got all right. Try to try to compose yourself, Winfrey. Try to keep it in your pants, okay? You've got I make no promises. You've got the um, oh gosh, what is her name? Oh, Amy Schumer vehicle. I feel pretty, where okay. she gets hit on the head and becomes you know uh, confident. Then uh, also Super Troopers two. So you have all of that the week of the twentieth again. Why? Just why? <laughs> but none of that matters, because in the shadow of, of all these things is Avengers Infinity War, which comes out April 27th, which will be eating up everything in its path, pretty much in, until and probably including Deadpool and Solo come out at the end of May. Uh, so that is... Any uh you guys want to weigh in on where Pacific Rim will probably stand at the end of the year? Again, I'm I'm saying it probably settles in around $500 million for the year. Total. I don't think That's... it's going to do like amazing, but that uh, seems to be solid. But more importantly, where were all you people when the first one came out? <laughs> you know the first one did. I'm looking it up. Did you get number three? Grown Ups Two was number one. More people wanted to watch Adam Sandler get pissed on by a deer. Now, if that was for carthetic reasons, I completely understand. <laughs> Um, it didn't do too bad. I mean, it did. Uh, it, you know, it had almost a two hundred million dollar budget, more than the second one did, obviously, and it made about four hundred and eleven million. I mean, that's not terrible. Yeah, but still, come on, guys. Again, like, no. Look, poop. when that when that movie didn't do as well as a tra- as one of the Transformers movies, like that that is your sign that no, we deserve every terrible thing that comes our way. Yeah. Like it, when society has reached a point where more people are going to go watch Grown Ups 2, I just, I don't know yeah. what to say. Like, we, we have lost the plot so completely that it, it's almost like a non-plot film, not like a lack of plot. God, what am I word? I can words well. It's more, we are living like Catch-22 narrative structure here, people. That's how badly we have lost the plot. All right, so my last word on the money is this. Future. Pacific Rim Uprising is a springboard for a cinematic universe where Denight revealed, if enough people show up to this, we've already talked about the plot of the third movie and how the end of the third movie would expand the universe to a Star Wars, Star Trek-style franchise or series where you can go in many different directions. Stop. You you can go me... You can go main canon, you can go spin-offs, you can go one-offs. Yeah, that's the plan. And now here's what no, I no, really no. here's what I really wanted to share. Denight also talked about the possibility of a crossover with the Monsterverse. <clears throat> that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Just let let's get through Godzilla King of the Monsters, alright? Leave leave my Godzilla franchise alone no, with your I want desire for an extended universe. It's I a want, bad idea. I want Jaegers versus Godzilla. I want Jaegers I, I would versus... actually go for Godzilla versus a Jaeger. That would be kind of cool. I Maybe want... not canon. Yeah, they already cool. made it. It's called Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. What's the matter with you people? I want Godzilla versus that three-headed dragon thing. No, I want Jaegers versus oh, the three-headed dragon thing. I, wa- I want King Kong 
Donkey Kong and the Planet of the Apes versus Jaegers. Bring it all on. I can't wait for this. This is why you don't get to make this is why you don't get to work in the movie industry, Mark. If the intern, I don't know if there's still the same intern that's been listening to our show for years, still listening to us, waiting for great ideas. But there you have it, folks. Donkey Kong, King Kong, and the Planet of the Apes versus Jaegers. Make that movie for me. Let's do it. Don't. Intern, do not do this. It will cost you your life. Like, guys, <laughs> here's, here's, here's how you do this. I mean, I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's like you look at the movie, like, okay, lots of people like that. Let's make another one. And then, if that one does good, make another one. And if that one does good, make another one. You see, you see the pattern here. You know, none, none of this, like, we've, we've planned out the next seven movies in the series. Just, like, just try and make a good movie. And if people if like it, not, try and make to another good movie. Look, if you are not Marvel, you don't get to plan that far in advance. <laughs> you just don't. It I... never works out. They... Oh, but I will say one thing. This is one of the few franchises where I would actually like to see a prequel. Yeah, I'd be down uh, for that. Like, if, if they took, like, the first five minutes of the first movie and expanded that into a film where it goes from, like, the first kaiju attack to, okay, we've got this Jaeger program up and running, we might actually be able to win this thing, I would see that movie. Can we get... Now, I'm trying to see which um, which studio this was for this to happen but can we get a Independence Day Pacific Rim crossover no can we we make that happen no I don't think that would work can we make no no let me let me pitch this okay what if the alien race actually what if the aliens that were sending the kaijus to uh, to earth were the aliens from Independence Day no yes They were sending their zoo animals. It'll be fantastic. No. Get out. <laughs> I mean, for, for, for Jaegers to, like, take on alien spaceships, we would have to, like, go, like, some serious Go-Nagai super robot stuff. Where, like, you just have, like, insane, crazy sci-fi energies that can only be harnessed by giant robots that you uh, can, like, actually, like, fight in space with. Damn it, Independence Look, Day is from Fox. Way, this isn't going to happen. If- Look, if you want that, like I can recommend Knights of Sidonia. That's about as far as I can that, go. That, with that. that, that is a good show. But if it's Fox well, and now it's owned by Fox. Disney, what if the Independence Day aliens and the Aliens aliens merged and became like a super army that attacked the Earth and the Avengers had to fight them? Huh? What yeah, if this all this only works if this ends with the Avengers being massacred <laughs> by the Xenomorphs and we get a Hulk uh, morph? <laughs> a Hulk Xenomorph. They yes. all fall over the shark. Okay. Really, all I want is the Hulk to die. No, Violently, stop it. Bloodily, I want the Hulk to die. I want Thanos to crush his skull into fine paste and then bathe in the tears that follow. You're a communist and a homosexual. I am neither of those things, and you know it. If you want to call <laughs> me a terrible person, call me a terrible person. I am neither of those things. Fair enough. I didn't notice any pejoratives in that insult, so I'm not sure what we're getting at. <laughs> I did. It's a, that's oh, so a... you mean he likes people and he's got good fashion sense? Like, what? <laughs> Hold it's... on. Uh... No, A, I hate people. <laughs> hey, I don't resemble that at all. Um, no, no that... like, I, I mean, look, Okay, hang on. I have to now... A, I mean... Look, I have to now explain that. I'm just going to point out that, you know, Stalin murdered like 300 million people. 
Okay, f- let me, before anyone's just like, ah, you racist. The Soviet let me fir- Union actually had to put Ugh. out pamphlets in Ukraine reminding parents not to eat their children because they were starving. Terrific. Yeah, it's a, I what I wanted to say was it's a Bloom County joke. That whole, I've been saying it for years that, you know, you're a communist and a homosexual. It's a joke I got from the cartoon strip Bloom County. Decidedly liberal comic strip Bloom County. Ugh. That's okay. My feelings aren't hurt. And if they were, I'd just go and get them fixed at the hospital for free. That sounds like a great yeah, segue sure. to our next bit. Unless you actually need, unless you actually need major surgery, in which case, <laughs> welcome to the wait list. Uh, yep. But we still get to the end. Maybe. All right. I'm going to answer. I'm going to ask David because he seems the more right. rational of, the, of you two right now. Okay. Hey, David, I have a question That's for you. Politics okay. aside. <laughs> Here's my question. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. He's playing no. out of I said, <laughs> are you ready? We might have lost Marky there. Yes. Stop talking over no, the sound. God, please, no. no. We can't no. hear the sound. No. I've explained this to you. No. <laughs> I like so, how... so you know I cannot hear the joke that you are making. <laughs> yes. And you are somehow expecting me to respond to this joke that I do not know what it is. No. When I, I... I think he's really just trying to set us up for the next segment. I really okay. was. <laughs> oh, okay. Was that, the, was that the Steve Carell? Oh, no, oh, no. Oh, God, no. Yes. Yes. That's yes, exactly oh, okay. what that was. Yes, the opening to the DX theme, and then we cut to Steve Carell hating life. <laughs> But I do enjoy that what's, what's, what's happened since our move to Spreaker is that an ongoing bit is people talking over the sound they can't hear. Because Cooper does it constantly. It's fantastic. All right. Okay, I'm going to we'll go... work on it. <laughs> All right. I'd on. cry if I didn't laugh so hard about it. And, you know. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read the two that I sent you first, Robert, and then we'll, we'll you know, let, let's start with 10 minutes of hate. Okay. So, just so people know, I read through these the other day, and I started sending pictures of them to Robert Winfrey to prepare him for this, because these are just terrible. Just the absolute ass worst. Alright, um, this comes from The Observer UK, and because of the way that I did this, I can't read who, who wrote it, and I'll figure, I'll find it later, but... Uh, it makes you yearn for the nuance and complex characterizations of the Transformers series. <laughs> that would be Wendy Ida. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, get him, Winfrey. Okay. Let's be very, very clear about this. I understand what you're trying to say. That we have stock characters here, and you wish they weren't stock characters. You wish they were more well developed. That's fair. Where we run into the giant bit of you being catastrophically wrong is comparing this to the Transformers. I mean, which Transformers character do you think is even relative to these more nuanced? Is it the little girl who really just wants to fight uh, by the side of Mark Wahlberg and has a big quasi-heroic speech in the first five minutes of the most recent one? Is it Stanley Tucci's somewhat villainous Steve Jobs impression? Is it Mark Wahlberg being the sad sack and just trying to protect his daughter? Maybe it's his daughter's loosely Australian boyfriend whose character, the sum total of his character is he likes off-road racing. I mean, maybe this, maybe these are the 
complex characters that you yearn for relative to the stock characters we get here. This is so categorically wrong. But you have seen both movies, right? Yes. <laughs> and he's going to see Bumblebee later this year. Oh, shut up. Don't <laughs> remind me. I wasn't talking to you, uh, Robert. I was talking to the oh. critic. It's like, like she has Probably seen both movies. Not. I, I know you have seen both movies. I've listened to yeah. the podcast. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, I mean, really, like maybe, maybe what you're, are you like maybe this is a, a deep-seated, like yearning for Megan Fox's boy. My dad's a criminal, and this just looms over me. Maybe you want the complexity of John Turturro and his comedic stylings. Based off of Michael Bay, apparently. That would not surprise me one bit. John Turturro is that kind of guy. He would do that and then laugh all the way to the bank. Like, no, this is just wrong. These are very stock characters, but at least a couple of them have arcs. (laughs) As opposed to Mark Wahlberg or Shia LaBeouf or his girlfriend from the third one who's just a lingerie model put in front of a camera like you are just categorically wrong in attempting to express your desire for more complex characters which is fine you can want that you can point out that these are stock characters you're overreaching horribly and it just invalidates the t- almost the totality of your perspective speaking of which uh, this one I can read George Thomas of the Akron Beacon Journal. No one could ever think that a movie about giant robots could ever beat the past three Transformers films for sheer awfulness. Think again. Yup. This one thinks this is worse than Transformers The Last Night, Transformers Age of Extinction, and whatever the one before that was. Um, Dark of the Moon. Undiscovered Country. No, Dark of the Moon's the second one. No. No, the third one. Oh, Revenge the of the one? Fallen is the second one. Oh, that's Revenge right. Revenge of the Fallen, right. Revenge of the Moon. Right. Um, the sec- last- we have now put more thought into the Transformers movies than this guy did when he actually wrote this piece. Agreed. I want that out there. Uh, again, like if you're going to say this, did you actually suffer through the last night? Because I suffered. I suffered through poor Anthony Hopkins cashing a check. I suffered through a kung fu butler. I suffered, and I mean suffered, through endless, monotonous, repetitive action sequences. I suffered through Stanley Tucci running around Hong Kong. I suffered through Mark Wahlberg finding inexplicably the lone American football in the totality of China to throw at a guy who was following him as a callback to him being from West Texas and still sounding like he's from outside Boston and playing football in high school. No, no. I suffered. (laughs) And you, you brain-dead Northeast Ohio jackass, have the temerity to equate these things? Piss off. This movie only has like imaginative action scenes, likable characters, and a coherent plot. I know, right? Yeah. All of which the last night lacked. And I yeah. and I loved Age of Extinction. Have I mentioned that? All right, let's get yeah, to Yeah, we yelled at each other about it for an hour, for like 2 hours. <laughs> and then, and rebroadcasted it last year. All right, Lewis Knight of the Daily Mirror UK. 
Pacific Rim Uprising fails to enthrall with its weak script, dull action sequences, and forgettable characters. John Boyega, however, is certainly one of Hollywood's more interesting stars. Okay, so in a vast multicultural cast, you deliberately single out the black guy? Yep. He was the lead. I know. (laughs) Setting aside my, like, quasi-hatred of critics and their political posturing, yeah, Boyega's not too shabby. I do look forward to seeing more of him as his career continues to grow and progress. These are not unimaginative action sequences. Like, okay, the script isn't great, but it's also not the worst thing floating around the world. Again, I say serviceable. Yeah. Like, there are worse movies... Like, really, like I have suffered through a lot of movies that were worse written than this. I can name three of them right now. I had to watch the Peter Pan movie. Oh, God, that was bad. I watched the the most recent King Arthur adaptation, which had all kinds of script problems, and I had to watch A Wrinkle in Time, all of which demonstrably worse scripts than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I haven't seen Wrinkle in Time, so I can't comment. You're not missing anything. You are better off for not seeing it. I'm kind of at, well, wait for it to pop up on Netflix or something. I mean, you lived, uh, I'm going to assume you lived through the uh, early to mid-90s? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have already seen Giant Oprah. You don't need to see it again. You okay. also don't need to see Reese Witherspoon turning into romaine lettuce. That's true. Actually, that does sound, when you put it like that, it doesn't sound so bad. <laughs> it, it really is. It takes like two minutes. That just drags and drags. Yeah, and and if you've ever seen Romaine Lettuce look at you with like a shit-eating grin, it's it's not pleasant. Um, all right. Yeah, I don't like it when my food looks back at me. It's a bit disconcerting. Oh, I, I prefer it that way in some respects. Okay. Lee Munson of Birth.Movies.Death. It seems the strain of being a loyal sequel and trying to be its own thing was too much for Uprising, as it tears itself apart in the attempt and leaves bare the skeleton of the decent actioner that could have been. Did she no. watch the movie? Like, <laughs> really? This like is that. just a decent action movie. This That's is just that. a bare-bones decent action movie. That's literally all it is. Like, like, my, I, I was like the exact opposite opinion of her. I thought that it was actually like, yeah, this actually carries the torch pretty good. Yeah, like, that that really makes almost no no coherent sense if you've actually seen the movie as far as like no it doesn't this isn't struggling with its identity at all like, like listen, no no we critics, know what we are movie critics you have one job one job <laughs> yes. to watch the movie put your phone down get your notepad <laughs> out look at the damn thing until it's finished then write down what happened Please stop. Uh, never mind. We'll get to somebody who's going to bring this up, I'm sure. But And stop inserting your latest failed op- political op-ed into your movie review. It's really tiresome to read. You know, not that anyone could hear it, but what I, what I love about this review and, and last week's review is that no matter who I bring on this show, no matter... <laughs> 
no matter what movie we're reviewing, every guest gets to the same point you do with these critics, where like you're all terrible at your job. Like it's not like we brought anyone on. <laughs> Neither Jesse nor Ronnie last week, and now David this week are just like guys. You're really too hard. Nope. You're like you're you're all terrible. <laughs> Like every time they mention something like, why didn't they explain this? It's like, well, they kind of explained that in the scene that they explained it in. I, like there was dialogue. You didn't even have to look at the screen. That. You could have checked your Twitter and Instagram while you're listening to like, oh, okay, that's why they're doing that. Uh, I have literally had that exact complaint about Chris. Like this, does, they didn't, you know, this isn't coherent. You mean, except for this 20 minute series of expositions that you just clearly didn't pay attention to. Were you in the bathroom? Like, <laughs> All right. It's nice to know that other people have reached the same conclusion that I have as far yeah. as critical analysis. I understand. Like, you know, not every movie is a good movie, and it sucks, but that's the job. Jeremy, speaking of that's the Leonard job. Walton, he would disagree with you. <laughs> Jeremy Johns of JeremyJohns.com. We hate you. Hates you, Jeremy Johns. We hate you. Oh, you self-employed loser. Uh, there's no jaw-dropping scene. The movie's really? biggest flaw is that it tries to do too much and it overreaches. <laughs> I thought they were okay. pretty, pretty, uh, pretty contained. Like, I don't you, think they so, went too crazy. So, okay, this guy did not actually watch the movie. This is one of those things that he had to review it, and he just pulled from a series of catchphrases and buzz. And like, these are sentences that I apply to things I don't like. I'm not actually going to watch it here. And there's about a 30% chance I'm going to be right. Now, no, not in this case. You're wrong. There's no jaw-dropping sequences. You know, some of that is honestly just, like, viewer fatigue. And the the totality of, like, grandiose things we have been exposed to, it makes it really hard to actually pull that off. My jaw was sufficiently dropped during the ending sequence. Okay. Yeah, like that was that was good. Uh, I, I kind of wondered until they would stop like actually pulling buildings on top of the thing. It's like it's not working, guys. New new strategy, but <laughs> no, like the the assemblage of the mega kaiju was pretty sweet, and then dropping Gypsy Avenger from orbit. I would have preferred. I would have liked one like wide angle shot of it just entering the atmosphere, trailing like a co- with like a comet trail behind it for perspective. That, that, that would be good. I agree. That would have been a nice. Uh... But, uh, like, that's a real minor thing. And then, like, no, it, it overreaches. Really, it does. <laughs> like, no, like it's, I'm impressed uh, that they kept it as, as small scale as they did. Yeah, it's just robots punching either other robots or monsters. There's no overreaching here. You get that. You get very broadly drawn, but generally relatable characters and big scale action sequences where robots fight like that's a pretty simple ask of a movie it's not really overreaching there's not an attempt at anything beyond hey look watch stuff watch stuff fight like i'm I'm down i can i can dig it i I, I did like it a lot when uh when they went to fix up the jaegers and the original theme music kicked in that was like yeah you're like just that's Love a really nice piece of music. That is a really good. Like I don't. Yeah. I forget who did the music. Uh, the it's original. like Raman Jawadi. I apologize. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Uh, he also wrote the theme to Game of Thrones. So you know. Yeah, like there's that, what that's more needs really, to be said. There's some really solid music that went into that first one, and that they were able to kind of play off here. So, all right, Sarah Mars of Laney Gossip. 
Pacific Rim Uprising is the dumbest movie since Pacific Rim. Really? <laughs> because, uh, hold on, wait, wait. The, the, uh, no, no, no. This must be countered. Pacific Rim came out in 2013. <laughs> okay. Like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but your autocorrect uh, misspelled awesome. <laughs> no, no. You you have now, like, Volant said that this is dumber than at least one Adam Sandler movie. You have no credibility anymore. <laughs> like, uh, like pixels came out between these two films. I was gonna say, really? As soon as you said Adam Sandler, I'm like, wait a minute, that, that, that pixels came out, that was by far dumber. By, by again, by every appreciable metric. I mean, you recently had, I mean, we had the Ghostbusters movie. That was brilliant. Come out between those. Shut up. It sucked. <laughs> it, no, it's not. Stop that. It was a brilliant cinematic triumph. Uh, we had. Oh, what was that other really, really? I mean, we had Peter Pan. We had A Wrinkle in Time. We had. Oh, what was, oh. Batman v Superman. Okay, no, no, no. Well, let me say this. Oh, we did have... We had we Maleficent. Dawn of Justice. I remember Malefi- when Maleficent came out. That was one of the first reviews we did in the second iteration of this show. And we all agreed there were parts of Maleficent that were okay, but overall it was a dumb movie. Angelina Jolie saved that film. Yeah. Um, like, God, Frozen, Frozen came out between these two, and Frozen is incredibly stupid. Great music, <laughs> but incredibly stupid. And the kids just love it. Yeah, I rest my case. <laughs> All right, Kiko Martinez. I mean, again, is... like there are so many, again, visibly dumber movies that, uh, 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 God, that that stupid one with uh, like Ed Helms and uh, Owen Wilson. Which one? Where they're like, where they're, yeah, they're like trying to find their father. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know. Was it, act, was it was it literally just called Who's Your Daddy? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. <laughs> yep. Sounds about right. Okay. Like really, you're going if you're going to make a broad statement like that, you really have to understand the totality of ground you're covering. Did not because... Bad Grandpa movies and Baywatch come out between uh between Pacific Rim and at now? At least one of them. At least one of the Bad Grandpa movies. Uh certainly Baywatch. All right, move the, we got a, a, a few more of these, and then we're going to wrap up this bit and move on with life. Otherwise, we'll be here forever just listing movies that are, again, <laughs> visibly dumber than this. I'm trying oh, not to. how about the Transformers? There were two of them. <laughs> okay. Both of which were significantly dumber than this movie. Whether you liked Age of Extinction or not, Mark, it is, it is a very dumb movie. All right, uh, Emmanuel Baez of Cinefilus... Um, without any sense of urgency, the emotion is practically nil. The value of repetition is non-existent, and the film disappears from memory without any collateral effect. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? I will somewhat give credence to the um, to the emotional content being uh, not quite as there. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's again. That's fair, and it's a very deliberate choice. I feel, by all parties concerned, to structure this film around the action rather than use the action as a augment to the interpersonal play. Because there's some legitimate points of emotionality in the first one, because they structured it again the exact opposite, where they have these big action sequences, but they are deliberately used to offset interpersonal relationships. Whereas it's again the other way around here. 
And if it fades from memory without leaving much of a mark, like, how is that a major crime? Like, not everything is going to be super memorable. Not everything is the Godfather. And while, ev- while I wish everything was the Godfather, because the Godfather is great, the fact that not everything is is not... Just because it isn't doesn't inherently make it some... It's not some inherent crime to not be that. There's... Again, we've gone over the structure and where the structure is sound here versus other films in loosely the same genre where that don't actually have that. Like, not everything is going to be super memorable. It's okay and to like re- a movie because it's a intertextual film about man's relation to God and inhumanity to man. It's also nice to like a movie because it's about giant robots punching monsters in the face. <laughs> and the two things can be true at the same time. Like I, I, I apologize to this person for their brain not being large enough to hold two disparate thoughts at the same time. <laughs> I think they just used an algorithm and a Mad Lib, personally. That sounds about right. A lot of... Uh, I'm, I'm going to steal that in the future when we talk about some of these reviews. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> J.R. Kennard of Pop Mad Matters. This is a sequel at odds with its own identity. Fighting to avoid oh. the schlocky excesses that it needs... Can I actually get through this? That it needs to be successful. By the time the fun finally arrives, all the little boys have taken their action figures and gone home. Now get them. So, okay. did everybody leave the theater in the first two minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he did. Um, look, first of all, I hate that you used fun, because... And I have to say this at least once a week when we do this, apparently... Fun is subjective. Art is subjective. Yes. Well, I say fun in this case specifically because that gets thrown around a lot. Like, any time I tell someone I don't like Thor Ragnarok, they just say, what, don't you like fun? Like, it makes me want to punch guy. something. Like, again, like, I, so I do not believe fun is this objective, quantifiable... Uh, metric that we can use and they throw it around like it is and that really profoundly bothers me okay I see where you come from yeah 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 like fun is definitely subjective like oh this movie's fun like no you had fun with this movie that is not the same thing it was fun for you Yeah, that's fine enjoy your movie this is why your political op-eds can't be published because your actual understanding of structuring sentences is like doesn't work you have utterly failed at basic writing comprehension. All right, Matt Goldberg of Collider. We hate you, Matt Goldberg. We hate <laughs> you. Pacific Rim Uprising is serviceable enough on hey, its I own terms, but can't help feel like a pale imitation of the first movie. Well, it's a sequel. You know, this <laughs> like, is probably the closest God. to accurate review that you have read. Still hate Matt Goldberg of Collider. Still hate Collider. Like, oh, fair, no, no, no. he's using this as some kind of great pejorative. Like, it's a sequel. You want to know how many sequels you can name that are better than the original? There's like Not four. Um, Allison Schumacher of Consequence of Sound. Oh. This is probably going to be my favorite one, just because I know how you're going to react to this. So here, so let me get a good stretch here. Let me get my popcorn because this is the this really is the get 'em win free one of the night. What makes a fight compelling on screen isn't the motion of a punch; it's what spurs the punch, what the punch means, how it feels, and what happens after. Okay, you have clearly <laughs> never been in a fight. First of all. <laughs> 
Like, for <laughs> some reason, despite your apparent ineptitude at life, no one has actually struck you. <laughs> you do realize that this, like, this this podcasting network is, like, founded on, like, UFC, right? I know. <laughs> like, really? You, you want to tell... No, what, what makes a punch interesting is what inspires it. No, it's really how well the action is structured. Now, don't get me wrong. You can poorly structure it, and you can have it to the point where it bogs down an overall narrative. That's a very true thing. But let's take, for example, John Wick as a film. John Wick is set up, inciting event, and then about an hour of Keanu Reeves violently murdering people. It's a kung fu movie. Yes, with guns, which is great. Yes. But really, there's... You can get, and this is why John Wick... And this applies more to John Wick 2, actually, now that I think about it. Because there's significantly less inciting action from John Wick 2. It still works. Like, there is still the basic premise of I get to watch well-choreographed, well-executed action, that can be its own thing. You really don't need the other stuff. The other stuff is great, and the fact that it enhances... that, that you should enhance action with drama is in a more... in a better film, in a more sophisticated outing, is very true. In this instance, the draw is watching robots punch monsters and other robots. The fact that they were able to structure the action so that it's visible, readable, followable, and engaging is a marked step up from, again, all of the Transformers movies. Like, it's motivation. I, I understand they're trying to get about, like, the whole motivation of the fight. Like, you know, it has to mean something that these people are fighting. I think they kind of took it to an extreme level, but, like, I understand if why they're fighting. This robot killed to... his sister. These if you monsters are have... trying to kill the human race. Yeah. Therefore, we need have... to punch them until they stop. If you only have two people fighting, that's a fair. Com that's fair. Like you should have something. When you when the premise of your movie is giant monsters are trying to wipe out humanity, I I'm kind of okay with that being the sum total of my motivation. <laughs> um. All right. Last three, and then we're done here. Chris Stuckman of ChrisStuckman.com. We hate this is you, Chris Stuckman. We hate this is you. Look, Den if he was any good, he'd be employed by someone other than Chris Stuckman. Tonight's <laughs> considerable talent feels jilted by an aggressively commercial oh, experience. Shut up. I'm not done. Uprising takes the Pacific Rim story and turns it into a brand. <laughs> Actually, I was kind of okay. surprised by how little it turned it into a brand. Yeah, like, no, th there really was... It, yeah, I was shocked at the amount of restraint they had in trying to set up sequels and whatnot. Okay, let's start with Denight's theoretical talent. This is his first film. Not bad for like, a first outing. No, I do, like, Del Toro was looking I, over his shoulder, but... Yes, and this film visibly... And it, it obviously acts the, lacks the directorial flair that del toro brings to these types of films yep but this is just one you know how many people have made one pretty good movie and then just flamed out because that's a long list that's a really long list and yet from this bare bones you're willing to 
say that this man's considerable talent is wasted. Like prior to this, his biggest thing was what executive producing Buffy. Hang on. Hey, don't, yeah, you you do not want to say bad things about Buffy. Like, I do, yeah. but I won't for the sake of polite conversation. Yeah. No. I mean, not, not, not I, for me. Like I'm I'm, I'm cool. Like, season uh, I, four I, sucks. All right, hang on. Before we get into this, okay, Josh preview. Whedon fans are a special breed. Denite previously worked yeah, on Smallville. That he would have ruined Firefly if it had continued for another three seasons. Take hey, Firefly was the greatest piece of art ever created in the history of humanity, and that will ever be created in the history of humanity. I like Firefly. Again, if you think that over the next three seasons he would not have absolutely ruined it, you are fooling if, yourself. If only, if only they had aired those episodes in a different order, people would have understood... <laughs> What a great towering achievement of artistic amazement that show was. The re- the truly sad thing, I have heard that from plenty of people in my real life. You two I know, are giving where do you me. Think I got it from. You two are giving me a nosebleed. Denight previously worked on Smallville, Buffy, Angel. He also wrote Swell, a story in the Buffy the Vampire season eight. Yeah, he's done a comic again, he series. Is primarily a an executive producer and writer of. He was a consulting a producer on Dollhouse, and hey, this is important. In May 2014, Denight was reported to be taking over showrunning duties for the first season on the Netflix ex- exclusive television series Daredevil from Drew Goddard. After Goddard's so I can departure, blame him for the uneven finish. Got it. <laughs> due to scheduling conflicts he, with Sinister Six, because he was six. replaced in for season two. He was later replaced by Doug Petrie and Marco Ramirez to serve as co-showrunner for the second season of the series. Uh, again, I am at least partially blaming him for the uneven finish to season one of Daredevil. Then, so thanks for ruining that for me, buddy. Okay, um, let's move this on because <laughs> again, nosebleed. Um, this might be my favorite one of the night. Donald Clark of the Irish Times. The one <laughs> you just want me to insult the Irish again every know. week. Um, the one thing the world less needed than another Transformers film was another Ursatz Transformers film. <laughs> no, can, can we just stop comparing these films to Transformers? That would be nice, but really, the last thing the world needs right now is another crappy film critic. Oh wait, I was gonna I was gonna read this next one because it just because it would have made me laugh. But we have we have to hear from Mister Roger Moore. We hates you, Roger Moore. We oh, hates you guy. of Movie Still Nation. Still not as good as Connery. Stupid. A hundred and fifty million worth. That's the sum total of your review. Yep. Like you you are paid for this, you bloviating jackass. <laughs> yeah, I can't follow that up with anything better. <laughs> How dare you cash that check? You are a man of zero integrity. You have no moral certitude, no internal fiber. You are a blight on the world. If I hope you, you have, have a Patreon so I don't have to de- donate to it. Do we want to hear from another one of our top of our top ten worst critics that we've ever read from? Because we've got By one here, means. Susan Granger of SSG Syndicate. Mindless Boy. Metallic Mayhem. Oh, someone yeah, that was great. <laughs> someone got up to the alliteration portion there of their continuing education course for. <laughs> like, You're wrong, but I will give you a cookie for effort. Oh, hey, Kurt Loader's weighing in from uh, Reason Online, formerly of MTV News. You heard it first. Dun, 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 dun. There's no point in wondering if some other director could have done it better when it's crystal clear there was no need for it to be done at all. <laughs> oh, this argument again. <laughs> There's a lot There's of There's no need for it to be done at all. There's really no need for film in general, much less for your 
which, of course, would have a huge negative consequence on your livelihood <laughs> because then there would be no need for morons like you to pretend that they know what they're talking about when reviewing film. Matt Brunson. Just... No, wait, 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 wait. Matt Brunson of Creative Loafing, a Jaeger bomb, but no worse than its humdrum predecessor. Oh, dude, <laughs> <shining> genius here. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised it took us that long for someone to make that pun. God knows I was looking for it. I know. Because you would have brought that up much earlier if you'd found it. Yeah, I really would have. Um, all right, yeah, and that's it. Of all, of all the ones we typically read from, I mean, I, I could keep reading these. There were a lot. but I'd I, rather you did. I think we're done here. All right, next week, ready, ready, steady, go. Ready, player one on the damn you Hollywood. Uh, Hollywood, if she could. In the meantime, on primetime, uh, tomorrow night on the Metal Hammer of Doom, we've got the sword, used future. And then Thursday, we're going to do a special Screaming Boy panel discussion of the rise and fall of Toys R Us. It's a sad, sad departure for one of the uh, icons of the shopping experience here in America. Toys R Us. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. No, um... So we we'll, saw, uh, we filed chapter 11. <laughs> we came, we saw, yeah. We came, we saw, we went bankrupt. Uh, so, well, it'll be my, Ronnie Adams will be hosting it on the Screaming Boy podcast. I'll be there. I think Jesse will be there. Anyone that wants to join and uh, share their memories of the once great Toys R Us can uh, come along and do that. If you're looking for some comic book material, yesterday on the Source Material podcast, we uh, dropped our Superman the Many Worlds of Krypton discussion. Uh, and that was because Krypton on Sci-Fi had just debuted, and so we were synergizing with that. Uh, Synergy. Next, indeed. Next week, it's all video games all the time here on the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network. First on the Source Material Podcast, issues one through six. For the first half of year one of Injustice, Gods Among Us. Uh, the aforementioned Ready, Steady, Go, Player One on Damn You, Hollywood. The Metal Hammer of Doom is going to review Power Glove, their debut album, Metal Combat for the Mortal Man. Came out many, many moons ago. Uh, we thought we'd get in the Wayback Machine and give it a review. And finally, uh, if you're missing on trial because Sean was, giving, was doing that Twitch thing, don't worry. We got one on the back burner for you. This is our look at the original, not Legacy, but the original Walt Disney classic, Tron. So that's what we got coming up. <laughs> that's what we got coming up. Uh, the following week, we've got a couple of shows dedicated to some wrestling. If you've been missing that since we haven't been uploading any of the uh, shared content from WTM. We've got Source Material Ringside Volume 1, Fabe, And then we're going to do a TV party tonight for WrestleMania 34. The rechristening of, Raymond, of Roman Reigns. And then uh, the Metal Hammer of Doom is going to review Empire the... Empire Falls again. <laughs> and then the ro and then uh, we'll be reviewing on the Metal Hammer of Doom, Camelot, uh, the Shadow Theory. All right. Can I say that the the existence of Roman Reigns has like actively driven a lot of people I know away from wrestling. I don't blame them. I don't watch it as much anymore. Um, but you know, we'll discuss that in a couple of weeks. David Wright, before I go over to Robert for his final plugs and to wish us all well. Why don't you tell people where they can find you and whatever it is you're doing these days that you want to talk about? Okay, well, not not much worth finding right now, I'm afraid, but <laughs> we'll see what happens there. So I guess I'll uh, just, once again, plug my good friend and yours, Mr. Andrew Graham. 
And uh, in reference to our uh, conversation about uh, the Transformers movies, I highly recommend you guys all check out Lindsay Ellis's YouTube series, The Whole Plate, where she does a serious, and I do actually mean serious, artistic film criticism of the Michael Bay Transformers movies. Is she the one who brings up that there's a specific reason you can't actually remember anything associated with those films? Yes, yes, that's one of hers. Yeah, <laughs> I got a kick out of that. Yeah, yeah. So if you haven't seen those, they're well worth checking out. Well, she doesn't have to convince me that The Age of Extinction is a cinematic masterpiece. I already know that. Mark, stop banging <laughs> that drum, man. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, pl- pl- play that horse sound effect again. Here we go! <laughs> there it is! <laughs> All right, Robert Winfrey. Speaking of dead horses, um, yeah. Let me think. Ugh. I got my list here. Oh, okay, no, no, I just had to double check the dates. Uh, this Sunday there will be an episode of the Four One One Ground and Pound Radio Show. We will be previewing UFC two twenty two three. Excuse me, two twenty three. Uh, I am. Still, like, crossing everything that that main event holds together. <laughs> but, uh, uh... Because the main event is... For... I am calling it just for the interim UFC lightweight championship because the UFC is not actually stripped Conor McGregor, and I don't think they will. But did, we might hey, very easily he, end up with... Did he say he was going to strip him? No, he didn't. Stop putting words in his mouth. Next question. <laughs> exactly. Up, you fat, bald sack of crap. Like, Mark, he doesn't want to be there anymore, and it's painfully obvious. He just knows <laughs> he can't do anything else. Um, but we will, we will be previewing UFC 223. The main event is for the interim lightweight title. It is a fight that's been tried to make. They've tried to make this fight three times before, if not four. Uh, between Tony Ferguson, who is your interim champion, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. I really want that fight to hold together, because it's such a great fight. Like, MMA doesn't get much better than that. Uh, the rest of the card, it kind of peters out. Uh, your co-main event is a rematch between Rose Namajunas and Ioana Jacek for the strawweight title. Uh, I, I think this fight's a massive waste of everyone's time. Uh, I, I think Yoan is going to move up to flyweight. And I think if Valentina Shevchenko weren't there, Yoan would probably rule that division. But Valentina Shevchenko is there, and therefore uh, everyone loses to Valentina. Um, you also have a featherweight bout between Hanato Moicano and Calvin Katar. That's, they're both kind of unknown. That's not a bad fight. Uh, Michael Chiesa and Anthony Pettis is a pretty darn good fight. Ally Quinta and Paul Felder should be a lot of fun. And that's your main card. Uh, I have issues with some of the structuring of the rest of the card, but I don't put these things together. And then on the 7th, so next, not this coming Saturday, but next Saturday, we'll have live coverage of that. I will plug that again next week when we talk about Ready Player One. And then the week after, so that would be the 8th of April, we will be reviewing UFC 223, and I believe we will be previewing, yes, we will be previewing UFC on Fox 29. This is the violence card. <laughs> the main event is Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje, which is, oh, I am so happy. And then the co-main event is Carlos Condit and Matt Brown, which is also, oh, violence. Uh I am irrationally happy about those two fights. Like, that's going to be 
Like, that's actually, like, three fights worth of action, because each one is a fight and a half. It's, uh, that should be a lot of fun. So you can tune in for those. Um, thank you to everyone who was, who, uh, voted for me in Factor Fiction last week in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. I think I won, but I'm not sure. Uh, I was, I was up against Dino. Like, Dino just doesn't lose, so I don't know. Uh, I'll know for sure, like, in the next couple of days when the next one comes up. But, uh, again, we'll be back next week for Ready Player One, and I think that's everything I have to plug. So, on that note, for Mark and our good friend David, I'm Robert. Thank you also very much for listening. Thank you for sharing us with your friends. If you know anybody who you think would be entertained by this, please point them in our direction. We are still trying to grow this thing. We don't make money yet. That is our goal. We want to actually, like, monetize this. So, please, share us with your friends if you think they'd be interested. Uh, helpful criticisms and critiques are always welcome as well. You can direct them to Mark Radelich. You can find him on Twitter. And YouTube. Mark Radelich. Please, go to YouTube. Call me a racist. It's fine. Have you been called a racist yet on YouTube? I sure have. Hasn't nice. everyone? <laughs> was this the ministry, guys? No, this was after I, 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 I smirked and thought it was amusing that the singer from Baby Metal pronounced Painkiller as Painkira. And I had a good laugh about it, and and I joked that that's the, the new name of the song. Uh, this is all the while saying how much I loved baby metal, and then got summarily accused of being a bully, a racist, and a and not a fan of baby metal. And then they all, and then this cavalcade of social justice warriors needed to point out that baby metal rocks harder than I do, which I hope they do. They're a heavy metal band. I'm a podcast. Let's just start there. But they're, yeah. they're also world-renowned, and let's just say we we're not. <laughs> yes, we, we toil in obscurity. <laughs> they let me on this show, guys. That kind of tells you everything you need to know right there. Look, I never said I was the Rush Limbaugh show. So, I mean, I don't... Like, to, to, you're not as popular as Baby Metal. You're absolutely right. That's not an insult. But, okay, sure. And neither are you, random internet person. What's your point? Like... <laughs> You know, I should hope that millions and millions of people tune in to call me a racist every day like they do Rush Limbaugh. That's the goal. I'm surprised no one said that about me yet. I don't understand. I, I like Because I tend to say like worse things than you. You, you, you need to get a video up on on YouTube that's, that that tickles people's uh, fancy. Like I didn't realize like how popular on the internet Baby Metal was. And I have to say oh, on the internet. popular. On the internet. Most of the world doesn't know who the fuck they are. Okay? Yeah, I, but, again, the internet. Yeah, the internet. It's so, a self-contained ecosystem in many respects, and baby metal is big on the internet. Indeed it is. And might I much say, like, for the billionth like time in, in two weeks, I like baby metal. And <laughs> much like Bret Hart in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, are we ready to say goodnight, Gracie? Ah, good night, Gracie. Yeah, I think we're done, everyone. So, again, thank you all again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.
have a last-minute packing thing. I'm leaving for Hawaii in three hours and still haven't opened my suitcase. I never have time to pack and download shows before leaving for the airport. But I just got super-fast fiber internet for my house and all those problems have vanished. I mean, I still wait until it's three hours before my flight to pack, but now I'm able to download my favorite shows in seconds while I run out the door. Super-fast fiber internet. AT&T. More for your thing. That's our thing. Limited availability may not be available in your area. Actual customer speeds may vary and are not guaranteed. Go to att.com slash get fiber to see if you qualify.